everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez, as the man said, here in South Florida doing another edition of Poker Action Line. And uh, we just uh, kind of shoot the breeze tonight, Joe. Uh, no guests as scheduled. <laughs> I think we can fill up an hour. I think here, we can, Dave. too. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about, as usual, uh, as tournaments continue around the country. In fact, the WSOP circuit is playing both in Los Angeles and Atlantic City at the same time. Now, the main events... Do not overlap exactly. Uh, the main event, for example, the main event in Harrah's Atlantic City started today, and they will play the next couple of days, and then over the weekend uh, they'll get underway out at the bike. So you actually could play both tournaments, go cross-country. But as far as all the events go, a lot of them are happening at the same time. So, And that's good, though. East Coast, West Coast, uh, you know, even if you don't want to play in both of them, you have a chance to play in one of them. Absolutely. No matter where you're at. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get to some results. Uh, the Battles at the Beach, which is at the uh, Isle Casino over the weekend, uh, finished up. And a lot of the big-name stars uh, were playing here. And a lot of them ran, went right to Atlantic City. Uh, Ari Engel uh, won a ring uh, right after getting knocked out of the tournament, leaving for Atlantic City. He goes up there and wins a ring at the circuit event. And Maurice Hawkins, I know, was here and played up there. So uh, people are flying around, getting uh, getting ready for the summer and uh, taking advantage of all the action that is just uh, exploding around the country. Yeah, and just to think, I mean, we're, we're, we're how many weeks are we away from the big one down here? Well, the big one here, uh, basically April, right? the 15th of April. So we're talking about three weeks, three weeks away from, from uh, the WPT event kicking off, and then there will be about ten straight days of action as they move through the Tournament of Champions. So a lot of stuff coming out about that as well. You know, down here now, David, isn't this amazing how we've progressed over these years since they oh, absolutely the restrictions off? And now it just seems like the Hard Rock is having some sort of monster tournament every two or three months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Isle event was uh, basically their first one of the year. Usually they have one in January, and then this Battle at the Beaches is the second one. But they eliminated the one in January, and now this was their first big tournament of the year. Uh, a lot of cash games going on over there. I obviously do do very well with all those tables and and just a good staff over there as well. But uh, people, uh, you know, come, like to uh, uh, jump on those aisle tournaments uh, and come to South Florida in the middle of March is a pretty nice thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our weather down here just about beats everywhere else in the country. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll keep you up to date on uh, some of the results. We'll get to the final. Uh, Results of that Battles at the Beach event. Uh, a lot of big names playing pretty late. I went over there the other day there with about 40 players left. Uh, saw a lot of people I knew and uh, uh, a lot of good name players. Uh, turns out uh, most of them didn't make the final table. So uh, some of the unknowns uh, did very well That's, down the stretch. That just tells you how hard it is. Absolutely. And, and to me, how impressive it is that, you know, when you see these top name pros consistently making it throughout the year when they're playing for player of the year and you see, man, these guys just constantly make the final table, seven, eight, nine of them. It, people, you know, the casual poker player just doesn't understand how no, hard that really that's is. That's very true. Going through the competition, the fields that they have to go through and consistently making it. it every year somebody seems to always make a run right before the WSOP, Dave, and, you know, wins one or two tournaments, final tables, another one or two, and, it, it, it's amazing how they get in that zone. I, I, I wish I could. I wish I could get into a zone like that. Well, and a lot of people right now are playing over at the Hard Rock uh, in satellites as uh, they try to work their way into the event. Uh, uh, I know that uh, Jessica Dolly was uh, on Twitter. I follow her on Twitter, and she uh, qualified for a seat in the uh, main event over there. So uh, people are doing great. Uh, there's a lot of action. A lot of a lot of choices. And on all levels, so we talk about uh, the charity poker event that I played in on Sunday, which I had an absolute blast at, uh, up at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. We'll talk about that in just a second. But also, uh, you know, some smaller tournaments that we see around town. There, I saw a free roll at the Isle on at, at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday. 
you know, and and no reentries, which is great. You know, no rebuys. So once you get knocked out, yeah. you're done. So it's a true free roll. Yeah. So you really only have to pay the ten dollar uh, dealer the, fee, get the add-on of an extra four thousand chips, and uh, basically that's about it. But uh, there's all kinds of uh, Stuff everywhere as far as high-hand promotions continue to flourish and, and battle each other. And for customers, it's really kind of a tough scene for them. But uh, you can find just about any kind of a tournament, large or small, to get into at any time. So, uh, you know, it's encouraging. I was talking to a friend the other day who said, uh, you know, he goes to some of these $1,000 high hands, kind of searches those out and travels around. And he's hit several in his career, so uh, it's been very lucrative for him. As I told you, this is a completely. Di- I keep telling people it's a completely different market down here. That thousand dollars a half hour high hand, it's it's you know again seen nowhere else in the country, and for some of the casinos, it's it's done exactly what it's what what they've wanted it to do. Right. But I don't know if it's worked for every poker room down here, uh, Dave. What do you think? Do you do you think all the poker rooms? Because I've always said that I eventually I thought rooms would close because they just couldn't compete. You know, in my opinion, if the Hard Rock wanted to go, you know, crazy with this, they could they could come close to putting a lot of rooms probably, out of business. Probably could. Uh, you know, they don't want to be stupid and lose money, too. But, uh, you know, so a lot of these rooms are just kind of hanging in there with some of them with two, three tables going, and that's it. Uh, but the majority of rooms, uh, you know, the Mardi Gras, the Gulf Streams, you walk in there any time of day, you'll see nine, ten tables going. Uh, you go to the Hard Rock, maybe even a few more. But uh, the Hard Rock, of course, benefits from all those big tournaments and the uh, you know yeah. the promotion now, they get from the national press. Now, you understand, you said nine or ten tables at these places. In most poker rooms, that would be very... You know, in Vegas, you go into you know into these big casinos that that have small poker rooms. That, that usually they've got only eight or nine, ten tables in right. their poker room. So you know they they'd be running. They'd a, be full. They would be completely full. But now, you know, Mardi Gras runs some very aggressive high hands, very generous ones. Nine, ten tables. You know, people don't realize this, but as a poker room manager, I'm going to let you know right now. Most of the promotional dollars that you take out. Uh, per table, give or take a few dollars either one way or the other, comes out to about 50 bucks a table an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're taking out $2 a hand, and you're going to probably get 30 hands, of which maybe two or three of them don't qualify for any of the money being taken out. So it, it always seems to break down to, you know, for general speaking, $50 a, a table, right. uh, a hand. Okay. An hour, excuse an me. Hour. So. Nine or ten tables, you're talking 450 to $500 an hour that you're actually drawing in in promotional dollars. If you're paying out $1,000 an hour, you're, 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 you're in the hole. You're in the hole. You yeah. understand that, that people don't, you know, the, 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 the players don't understand that, and maybe they, they shouldn't have to right. as players. They're here, hey, you, wanna, you want my loyalty? You want to buy my loyalty? This is what's going to happen. But, you know, once you break that down... I'm amazed that it's lasted this long in in South Florida that people are consistently doing that. So whether it's the slot machines and they're they're, they're generating extra revenue at the slot machines, but I know that poker rooms just can't sustain this for a long time. Well, how about if you have virtually no games? Uh, How badly are are they going into, uh, into the red uh, at a place like Miami, say, okay. say all during the day, you go there. Now okay. I, I see maybe one dealer there or two, maybe a brush. They're not doing anything now because they're not offering anything. But I think this is where you want, and I'm going to tell this, and people out there listening are going to find this out. When I reopened the room, you know, and I was brought back to reopen the room with the slot machines, and they wanted me, you know, I told them if you want me to develop a business that's generating close to half a million dollars in revenue a, a month. We need to be extremely aggressive, and we're going to be costing ourselves promotional dollars. I was very lucky to be able to do that right off the bat, but to generate four hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollars a month as I was doing in the first few months, we were you know drawing in about one hundred and twenty thousand to one hundred and forty maybe one hundred and fifty thousand in promotional dollars off the tables. But I was paying out two hundred and fifty thousand in promotional dollars. So when I first started, my my highest month was one hundred and twenty out of pocket for promotional. 
okay? It helped us generate this. I did have a plan in place, which I was able to execute and start bringing those promotional dollars down while the revenue did not go down significantly. You know, it was a small scale due to the fact that, you know, service, the stuff that you're supposed to give people on the table, and you hope that that will make a difference. We generated more tables as time went on because of this. So my promotional dollars went down to where my lowest was about 15000 out of pocket, and I was still producing about $420,000 a month in revenue. So I had successfully dropped it down, and revenue had dropped by maybe thirty or 40000 but I had dropped it by a little over 100000 in promotional dollars. So, so if you're doing 420 have you looked at it recently to see what they're at? Uh, well, I, think I, like was four, I think they're like forty or fifty thousand. Forty or fifty? Well, that would be generous because I was told, <laughs> I was told by our old boss that uh, the month of December they generated twenty-seven thousand dollars wow. in revenue. Wow! And I've been told by uh, one of my former supervisors, who's now working at another place, that in September, August, and September of last year, they had generated about sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars a month. I have not looked at those numbers to confirm them, but. Uh, I'll take my former boss's word for it that yeah, it was right. 27 in December. Well, how much are they paying out in, uh, like, uh, in staff, they're not, staff they're, fees they're, and that sort of thing? I have no idea because they don't have a poker room manager. They've brought four people in since they let me go. Okay, the revenue has dropped, like I said, to 27000 this past December. Um, you know, they they don't have a poker manager, a poker man. Who's who's the poker right, manager? Right. I think know, the uh, I think they're down to like eight or nine, ten dealers. You know, when you're not generating, when you're not making any money, you can't keep employees. I'm just surprised the room is still open. To be honest with I you, I think the casino PR guy is actually considered running the room. Well, yeah, I, that, that was Stephen. <laughs> I think Stephen is running the room, but I think he's also in charge now of the slot machines. Uh, you know, again. You know, uh, it's a complete mess what they've done over there. Yeah. At least as far as it it, it, <laughs> it concerns poker room. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the tournament I played in on Sunday. Uh, really met a lot of really cool people, uh, and it just kind of reaffirmed my view that poker can be a social game when the when the uh, the big money's not on the line and all the pressure and the cutthroat uh, activity uh, is occurring. People are having fun. Uh, it was the Tyler McClellan Foundation, uh, Tyler's team event, in the sixth year, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, and we've been promoting it. Uh, a lot of people that heard the show uh, came up to talk to me. Uh, I actually signed an autograph this week, which was kind of funny because <laughs> uh, I had the little cards that have our ad on it, and uh, uh, I passed them around at our table, and after a guy got knocked out, he came over and had me sign the little card, which was uh, kind of hilarious because they have the really nice tables at... Uh, with the uh, World Series of Poker, the beige felt. Right. And I signed on the card and actually went over the edge a little bit with a Sharpie and got a little mark on this. <laughs> no one uh, saw you do that. They don't know that until now. <laughs> anyway, uh, it just goes to show uh, that I'm not a veteran at signing autographs. <laughs> but I did uh, meet a lot of people, and hopefully we uh, brought a few new listeners to the show. Uh, I sat next to a... A woman that uh, was a good player, very good player, and I uh, invited her to be on the show, and she couldn't make it tonight. She's maybe on in the future. Her name is Erin uh, Coley, and she has a business that uh, she's actually an acting teacher, mostly with children, I believe, called Standing O. And uh, she was doing very well. She had one of the bigger stacks at the table. So I asked, I said, well, if you make the final table, I'll have you on the show. And she said, oh, yeah, she'd love to do that. And so I did call her this week. I found out she finished in second place in the wow. tournament. Wow, well, very nice. Uh, a woman won the tournament last year, Jackie, Jackie uh, Stone. Uh, and she also went pretty deep again this year. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, but a lot of really nice people having fun, joking around, and... Uh, it was great. I, I really didn't do all that well, as is uh, usually the bottom line. <laughs> but I hung in there a while. I won quite a few hands, and I went kind of up and down here and there. I remember uh, at, like, the second break, uh, maybe about four hours into the event, uh, I came back, and the first hand I was down to, like, uh, under 4,000 chips, and I got what pocket did you start queens. With? What did you start with? We started with – no, we only started with 1,500. But you could rebuy, which I did several times. Okay. And a couple of times my rebuys were twice. 
so it was uh, 3,000. So okay. I went up and down, but uh, people had like maybe, you know, some of the average big stacks were approximately 15 to 20,000, and I had like about four at the time. So uh, I came back from a break, and the first hand back from the great break, I got pocket queens. So I went all in. Okay. There was a queen on the uh, flop. On the flop. Good for you. So I I actually tripled up at the time. So two people called you. Yeah, and uh, I actually got a queen on the river also to make quads. Side quads, which we little did, overkill. It was, huh? it was overkill. overkill. But eventually, when on the hand I got knocked out, I went. Uh, and it was against Erin, I, I, I think, because she had she she I went head to head with her, and she had king seven, and uh, you know didn't match up. So uh, I did win that hand, but uh, on the hand I got knocked out, the guy ended up with a similar scenario with pocket kings. I had ace five offsuit. Yeah, you short stacked. Yeah, I was short stacked. Yeah, like stack. <laughs> so so I did play it, and he had pocket kings, uh, which was funny. And uh, the the king came on the uh, the flop, which. Pretty much, I, mean, I wasn't drawing dead, but pretty close. And then uh, there was a king on the uh, turn also. So he got quad kings, and then there was an ace on the, on the river. So just, just, just a laugh just in your face. Just a, just a laugh in, the in your face. Yeah. So that was the end of me. But uh, I had fun, and uh, I did have a bounty on my head. I think it was a, a gift certificate to Outback Steakhouse and a trip to the Palm Beach uh, motor racing uh, track. There, so it was. Uh, people were uh, trying to knock me out, and, I, and we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of joking around, and and uh, they raised over five thousand dollars for the event. I think there was about eighty some players, which is pretty good. So, good. it was a great event. Kevin McClellan and his wife Karen do a great job of promoting that. And you know, I like to play in those. Uh, I really do have fun. So, uh, especially when it's I'm a glad. it's a cause that I believe in. How was Kevin and his wife? Everybody They're doing does? great. They're doing great. So uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, I want to get to a couple of things tonight. There's kind of a little uh, controversy involving women in poker uh, that uh, was on Twitter this week, and I wanted to reveal that. Since I don't do Twitter, I wouldn't know about it. But what controversy? Well, could we'll there get be? To, we'll get to it after the break. But I uh, there's a little conversation out there, and I I think it goes to show that. Uh, even though there's a lot of lip service to try to bring women into the game, a lot of the behavior, even if it's not crass and, and nasty, like it can be sometimes, uh, some of the uh, long-term outlook on uh, you know uh, respect and relationships and stuff like that, uh, you know, can be a problem. So I want to get into that. I'll, I'll, I'll tease it with that and 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 move on, and, to, and we'll get to it when we come back from the break. Also, some news coming out about the Global Poker League. Uh, the schedule, they set a schedule? Well, the schedule is not out firm yet, but they are planning to start the week of April the 5th. So it's just around the corner. They're going to have some matches. And some of the talk is that there's going to be a lot of heads-up play and six-handed play. Uh, and that would make sense as far as six teams in the Americas Conference, six teams in the Eurasia Conference. So uh, as far as travel and that so sort of thing. Have they set forth whether it's no. going to be... Don't ask me too many questions. Okay, no, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking: <laughs> is this going to be team against team? Well, we is don't it know. Is going to be one meet where all the teams we, meet? We don't know. Uh, there is going to be online play. There is going to be play in certain areas. Uh, it, they really have not got concrete uh, info out on that, and it should be out shortly. If it have to start the fifth, and supposedly there's going to be Man. matches every week let, or every two let me weeks. Tell you that draft was exciting. Yeah. I, I wasn't really built up for it, and yet the teams were outstanding. Right. You know, there are players that you want to see. But they could be missing the boat a little bit here by not uh, following it up with a, with well, a, with I, a schedule. Well, I'll be honest with you. I would have had the schedule in place, the format in place, so you have that whole excitement built up. So people already looking forward to a match once the rosters were made. You know, and you say, oh, man, I want to see that New York team playing that London team and, right, right. and so on and so forth. And, and having a, a, you know a way of knowing, okay, it's going to happen on this date. Now I can make plans to get there, to travel there, and, and maybe watch them play. Okay, now have you heard anything about, you know, Poker Stars went uh, live in uh, New Jersey on Monday. They were allowed to go live? Yeah, they've, they've been working towards that, and they kicked off in New Jersey on Monday. Uh, they had Jason Mercier there, who's been a uh, Poker Stars pro for quite some time. Uh, also a couple other people, Jen Shahad. 
Ajit Shahadi and uh, um, Chris Moneymaker involved in some of the promotions. So that means the federal government obviously signed off on it. Yes, yes. And now the state has also signed off on it. Correct. It's been in the works for some time. Oh, that's exciting, to be honest. It is, and and they immediately immediately went to number one in New Jersey. Of when course they are. Their in. software is incredible, and they and they bought the best part of the software that Full Tilt had. Now, at the, on this, by the same token, I think they really screwed up because they made the announcements right around the same time that they were increasing the rate like by four percent, and a lot of people that were very angry, a lot of players, and there's talk of boycotts and and, and all that. So uh, we'll see how successful they can be. It just seems like not a smart move. To couple Depends on what they're being charged for. It, you understand? Yeah. But four per, you're talking four percent, where they're raking. What is it? You know, so it, on a full full well full raised four percent, not not two four percent. They raised four percent from whatever they were charging. So before. you know, it, from three dollars, it would go up to three dollars and twelve cents max on 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 any max cash. Yeah, game. I don't know exactly how that works. So uh, yeah, I mean. Most, I just know most that people online, are not happy right most now. Most online sites charge a max of three dollars. Okay. Uh, you know, as opposed to five dollars in the brick and mortars. Right. And you know, you're looking at twelve twelve cents, which you know, yeah, you know, in the long run could could pose that. But you know, when you compare it to the brick and mortars, it's still a lot less than 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 the five dollars you're getting there. There's a lot of plus and minuses to this right here. Uh, I wonder if they've given a, a concrete answer as to why they had to raise it. My guess would be the fees that they probably had to pay up front uh, were very, very stiff. Right, right. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the competition has really heated up in New Jersey. Uh, overall, the numbers are dismal from what I've heard. It's really not very successful up there. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So, uh I think people's focus really is on live the live product now, and uh, you know will continue to be so with the, the Global Poker League and uh, uh, the big events down here in South Florida, and of course the World Series of Poker kicking off at the end of May. So we'll see. Well, let me tell you, I I, I just can't see this as anything but good news. Right. That they've been allowed to come back, and uh, you know, hopefully you'll get a boon over there in New Jersey. Well, it's a, and now it's a, it's owned by Amaya Gaming, so uh, the people that were involved in it before are out of it. Uh, it's definitely uh, a new start for them with the same name and the same software, so we'll see what happens. Uh, let's tell you about Gulfstream Park, our friends down there in Hallandale Beach, south part of Broward County, just north of the Dade County line. And uh, the horse racing season uh, winding down, uh, a couple of weeks left. Uh, they'll have just a couple of stakes races this weekend on the 26th of March, the Cutler Bay and the Sanibel Island, both $75,000 purses in that one, over a mile on the turf. And then April 2nd is the big day. It is the Florida Derby, the crown jewel of the season, the uh, $1 million purse at a mile and an eighth. And, uh, of course, the Florida Derby winner always is one of the favorites in the Kentucky Derby first week in May. So also the Honey Fox, the Gulfstream Park Oaks, the Appleton, the Orchid, the Skipaway, the Sir Shackleton, all kinds of stake races. So you're going to see the best jockeys, the best horses, the best trainers here in South Florida that weekend on Saturday the 2nd. So make your plans to be there. Uh, I would get your reservations in early if you want to have dinner at either the Ten Palms or at Christine Lee's, uh, anything inside the track. And, of course, there's lots of places to eat outside as well. So... Uh, people will be having a great time. Uh, hopefully the weather will be nice. Of course, it's getting kind of warm here in South Florida very early, so uh, we'll see what happens. But it's beautiful at the track out there, and it's a, it's a great product. But they also have the great poker room. Of course, their new uh, Sunday night tournament starts at uh, 7 p.m., 10-minute blinds, 2,000 guarantee for their $100 buy-in. Start with 15,000 units every Sunday in March as we wind down here for uh, the month of March. And uh, that's the, one of the big tournaments of the week. Of course, every night you can get into the action there, 7 p.m. with their tournaments. And, of course, all day long, great uh, cash games and uh, lots of different uh, spreading games uh, as far as Omaha and, and different games. So you've really got your choice of what you want to do. And uh, it's a great atmosphere. There's lots of TVs to catch all the sports. Uh, NCAA tournament was, uh, was packed for uh, the first-round games all day long from noon to midnight. 
And, of course, the NCAA tournament has been tremendous this year with a lot of tremendous games. Yeah. Uh, wondering how that affects uh, people paying attention to the hands at the table. <laughs> but uh, certainly uh, they're getting by and having a good time. But uh, besides the poker, besides the slot machines, and besides the horse racing, there's also the Village of Gulfstream Park. So check that out. Great food, uh, shops, uh, clubs. They have the Strike 10 Bowling Alley and uh, some great stuff there. So it's uh, worth a trip. Maybe Saturday, probably the most exciting day, but, of course, very crowded as well. So check it out any day of the week. The racing's Wednesday through Sunday, and um, the poker room is open 24 hours on the weekends, and during the week it is open until 4 a.m. So uh, plenty of time to take advantage of all these things over there. It's located in Hallandale Beach, as I mentioned, on Federal Highway at Hallandale Beach Boulevard. 901 South Federal Highway is the address of Gulfstream Park. Very easy to get to. Lots of signs. And, of course, Pegasus out in the parking lot to kind of direct <laughs> you there. So uh, have a good time, but uh, tell them that Big Dave and Joe sent you over. It's Gulfstream Park in Hallandale Beach. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, is he still not smiling? Maybe he's not a smiler. Yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. Or maybe he's teething. Maybe it's just a phase. Maybe he has autism. And we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here. As we bring you the program tonight, uh, thank you, Joe Costello, for stepping in and uh, handling controls uh, when Gio's out of town. Very happy to uh, to work with the big man here. And, uh, of course, you can always check Joe's show out, uh, WFO Radio, uh, on a weekly basis. They do a couple of shows, Ignition and uh, the other show. Uh, it all has to do with, uh, basically, NHRA racing for the most part. Joe travels around and does announcing at uh, different venues and uh, certainly is, uh, has his hand on the pulse of, uh, finger on the pulse of uh, auto racing, not, not only NASCAR, but uh, mainly NHRA and that sort of thing. So uh, if you like the funny cars and the fuel, top fuel dragsters, uh, if you're a John Force fan, you certainly will want to tune this show in uh, on a regular basis. You can also pick that up, uh, just like our show, on uh, iTunes and also on Stitcher Radio. Of course, uh, they have a Twitter account as well, uh, uh, WFO Radio. Uh, so uh, check that out. But uh, as for our show, uh, you can always pick us up on iTunes. We've been available there for uh, our six years. By the way, last week was actually our sixth anniversary. Was it last yeah, year? Yeah, I didn't even bring it up. It kind of slipped right by. But we've now been on the air for six years. 
And you can pick up the show every week on iTunes. Just search Poker Action Line. And uh, if you subscribe to it, uh, the latest show can come. Uh, we'd like to have you write a review. Uh, iTunes has reviews that you can write and uh, put your uh, information and your opinions in there. Uh, on the show, it's really something uh, that a lot of people will, will bring other people to the show and, and uh, as we continue to grow here in South Florida yeah, and around the country. Tell them to write and let us know what you like about the show uh, <laughs> and who you want to hear on the show. But there's plenty of other things. Hold'em Radio has done a great job carrying our show. Uh, they invited us to join them about six months ago, and we usually have a pretty good uh, uh, time slot there for the original airing of the show, either Friday or Saturday nights. So check out Hold'emRadio.com. You can catch the show there. PokerFuse is also sending out tweets that our show is on the site. Uh, PokerFuse has been a long-term poker news uh, site and and information. And they have a page where they carry numerous uh, podcasts, so you can always pick it up there. And then there's Stitcher Radio, which is a great app where we invite you to get on your tablet or, or phone where you can listen to podcasts of different subjects, just thousands of different types of podcasts. But, of course, Poker Action Line is the one we want you to put at the top of your list. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. And then the fallback is uh, PokerActionLine.com, which, of course, we have uh, uh, a click-through on the front page, a yellow box on the front page. You click that, it goes to all the archives of the, of the show uh, on Podbean, which is... Uh, an easy way for you to just download for free the, and listen right then to the show. So numerous ways to pick up the show on a weekly basis uh, to get information on what's upcoming as far as guests and, and, and what is up on the, the latest show. Uh, check out our Facebook page at PokerActionLine.com and also uh, check out our Twitter, which is at PokerActionLine. So uh, that's all the ways you can find the show. And we continue to add new ones uh, as we move along, but uh, we hope you're enjoying uh, what we're bringing you here on the program. Uh, last week, we got a lot of exposure on the Bill Mason interview. Uh, a lot of people listened to that and, and really wanted to find out uh, about the man behind uh, that poker room. I mean, here's a guy who came up in the business. You know, Joe, uh, what it's like to try to work your way up into different places. He started uh, under Mike Smith over at uh, the Hard Rock and eventually yeah. got the Real top Real good guy to learn there. under, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of hard work and uh, a lot of integrity to put yourself in this business. And as we've seen over the last year, it's, it's very easy to knock that down with a couple of mistakes. Yeah, let me tell you, and he's done a hell of a job over there. He really has. And he's surrounded himself with some good people, yeah, good as we people. know. He's He's got Tony over there, and, uh, you know, they're just doing a tremendous job. And once again, you know. When you learn under Mike Smith, you're learning under one of the best. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last week we were in the final table of the uh, Rolling Thunder event out in uh, Northern California, outside of Sacramento, at uh, Thunder Valley Casino, and uh, Harrison Gimbel was the winner of that event. Harrison here from South Florida lives in Boca Raton. Uh, he battled Bosin Sharanya, so uh, head-to-head with those were the two guys we were pulling wow. for. They made it to uh, head-to-head play. And a uh, very interesting tournament, but Harrison Gimbel wins the event. Uh, he defeated uh, Sharanya. Gimbel wins 275000 Mosin Sharanya takes home 192000 Rounding out the final table, Russell Garrett, uh, 123 k Marcus Gonzalez, 91k, Hafiz Khan, 68, and Derek Wolters, 54000 So uh, that was the final there. Um, there was one really big hand at the end, uh, where uh, they were very close in head-to-head play. It had been over 50 hands uh, head-to-head. And Sharanya looked to be uh, pulling out to a little bit of a lead, but um, the flop came 9-4-3, uh, rainbow. Uh, Sharanya check-raised after Gimbel let out at 325. Uh, Sharanya raised to 850, and Gimbel moved all in. Sharanya made the call and turned over queen-9, so he had top pair. Gimbal had king nine, <laughs> so uh, they both had the pocket. They both had a pair of nines, and he outkicked him. So uh, turn and turn and the river were both fives, uh, which uh, didn't change anything. And it was an eight million dollar plus pot, so uh, that kind of put things away. Basically, it took another twenty hands, but uh, basically, Mosin uh, could could not recover, and uh, that was about it. So uh, that was the tournament. Actually, it's kind of funny that uh, king queen of hearts was the last hand for Sharanya, and Gimbel 
who called us all in with 5-4 of hearts. So you would think, you know, he had the hearts, maybe he was looking for a possible uh, flush, but that's obviously worthless at the time. Uh, there was a jack 3-2 flop, so, uh, you know, oh, you're I'm looking at possible an straight. Or six hit here somewhere. Well, it was neither. As it turns out, it was another five. Oh, there you so go. So paired up his fives and gave him the title. So uh, Harrison but that Gimble. Was a, that, let me tell you, that's a hell of a flop for when, you, when you're up against King-Queen when you got a jack-3 deuce. Yeah, exactly. You're open-ended plus your two cards there, so. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's something we talked about last week, but he's a, here's a kid that was uh, 18 years old and won the uh, PCA for $2.2 million as an 18-year-old. You know, he couldn't even play poker here in Florida at the time. Uh, well, actually, he could. He played yes, in Florida, not, not, in, not in not Vegas. Vegas. Right, so he couldn't Vegas. go to the World Series, but, uh, uh, you know, puts himself in uh, on easy street for the rest of his life, really, when you make that kind of money, and it's... Uh, you know, there are people wow. who blow large sums of money, but, uh, yeah, that, you know, here's if, a smart kid. If that, you invest it properly well. and you do the right things, but when you're a poker player, you know, you're, you're going to be playing poker. But hopefully after that he's been backed and yeah. he doesn't have to put any of his own money in into these tournaments anymore. Yeah, nice kid, and uh, congratulations to him. Uh, I did want to talk about this. Uh, I teased it before the break, but this uh, story about kind of a women in poker, and it's really... You know, Twitter, things can come on Twitter, and, uh, you know, it's oftentimes uh, an argument or a discussion that lasts fairly briefly and uh, is forgotten about forever. But it basically uh, came out fairly, rather innocently, really, uh, from the Commerce Casino, uh, who had a big party on St. Patrick's Day, and there was a photo of a, a nude woman uh, you know, you couldn't really see anything any more than a bikini or anything, but it was part of the party was they had a nude model and they had the sushi set up on her. You know, they do that sometimes where people can come over and, and have the sushi right off the body. And, you know, I don't know what she had under the, you know, the, the private parts and all and everything. So, uh, you know, it just seemed like, you know, they made a joke about it, put the picture on there, and and I think their tweet was, sushi anyone. <laughs> So the problem with it, they didn't say raw fish. You know, the, the problem with it is uh, that poker is obviously a men's game for the most part over the years, dominated by uh, men in management, uh, male players, and we continue to try to uh, encourage women to play the game. Uh, Kate Hall, who is a, a very good up-and-coming professional that has uh, broken out over the last year with some really great play on the, on the WPT. Uh, even battling for the player of the year, uh, was was irritated and, and sent out a tweet that said, uh, uh, you know, commerce uh, poker deplores the objectification of women. What? Oh, that? Just a naked woman being used as a plate. So she was irritated, and a lot of people wrote back and forth, and some people just dismissed it as, you know, crybaby stuff and that sort of thing. But it, it goes to point out something very important, I think, in, in the society and the fight that we have for encouraging women to play poker. And that is that sometimes even the most things we men think are simple or unimportant uh, can drive women away, that they, they don't well, like some of I that stuff. I can't believe that someone, you know, in upper management or at least in their PR department didn't think that this would offend some right, women. Right. I mean, you know, listen, uh, you know, unless unless you're going to do the the the, the naked man, uh, you know, with onion rings or something, but uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to stand for the ladies, that would be kind of rough. I was thinking more like a donut. There you go. Well, there you go. You know. So uh, I'm just figuring, you know, that unless you're going to do, you know, tit for tat, so to speak, here. How can you not think this is not going to be offensive, right. especially with sushi? I just it doesn't make any sense to me that somebody in their PR department uh, didn't think about this. Well, a lot of people took it as kind of a joke and funny. Uh, Matt Salzberg always has something interesting to say. Uh, one of the lines that was in this story was Liv Bowery, who is uh, obviously one of the great players from the U.K. and uh, one of the coaches of the Global Poker League. Her line was... Uh, Sometimes us players crave body-warmed raw fish. <laughs> Salmonella appreciation parties are underrated, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, I'm <laughs> so, you so it didn't bother her, but there were several other women that were unhappy. Uh, there's also been complaints about the Royal Flush Girls and the fact that 
the World Poker Tour is out there uh, using objectifying women in that regard. Now, I'm a big, huge fan of the, of the Royal Flesh Girls. We've had uh, Tuba Erjan on the show a couple of times. Great girl, beautiful girl. And, uh, hey, you know, all I can say is that we men like to encourage women not only uh, to grow the game and to have more people out there playing, but... You know, we like being surrounded by pretty women, and you know, sometimes maybe we we cross the line for the fact that uh, maybe comments are a little, uh, you know, sensitive to some women and that sort of thing, and maybe women that don't look that great aren't getting a lot of attention. That could be a problem, also. But uh, I just wondered what your thoughts were about the whole thing. Well, listen, uh, I think it's ridiculous that they did something like that, especially when it's going to be attended by by both genders. There, you should not have you should not have done that. That's something I would have suggested against. Um, as far as when you say about the Royal Flush Girls, you know, listen, our country, we've had cheerleaders for years. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys at our age, Dave, you know, that was the big draw was those Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Um, whether it needs to be in poker or not, I don't know. Maybe it sells for TV a little bit. Um, and that's, I guess, a discussion for a later date on that. I just don't think what they did there with the, with the young lady. Yeah, who for was, an official you know, uh, group like that yeah, to come you know, out and, and, and really not think long and hard about the, uh, what uh, they're going to put out to go, represent we, their company. Yeah, are we going to uh, offend anybody with this particular you know uh, stunt that we're doing with sushi and everything else? Luckily, Liv Foree had a sense of humor with it and everything else, but... You know, as a father of three girls, I could see where they're going to be offended about it. And, uh, you know, I think it was in poor taste, to be honest with you, especially for an official function. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, But uh, they live and learn, I guess. Uh, They'll move on from that. Uh, Another thing I wanted to talk about was there was a story on uh, Poker News by Earl Burton. He got a chance to interview Peter Eastgate. Who's a guy that we really haven't he's seen that much of? He was the main, won the main event. event actually, sold his bracelet uh, a few years ago on eBay and was retiring, if I, if I remember correctly, yeah. from everything. Well, he actually was interviewed, and, and they asked him about playing. He was he was actually playing in a WSOP circuit event in uh, uh, Tbilisi, Georgia. I guess that's the way it's pronounced over there uh, in the, near the Soviet Union, and. Uh, they did an interview with him, and they asked him, uh, where has he been over the last seven years, really, in regards to poker? And he uh, just really kind of got disinterested in the game. And I kind of wondered what your thoughts were about that. I mean, once you scaled the, the top of the mountain in the poker world, and you would seem like, like you could be welcomed everywhere, uh, at every casino around the world, and and although you're, you're set financially, do you really hate the game that much that uh, you don't want to play anymore? The only way that I think that that's happening is if the demand on him through friends or family financially, you know, it, that Dave, when you come into money and people that you thought were your friends, family members that, you know, that you loved and trusted, all of a sudden people look at you differently as if you're a different person because of the money. And when you start seeing some of the nastiness that comes with having money and people asking you for it and you having to develop a hard skin of telling people, no, you know, I can't do this. And, you know, then they start saying things about you, you know, especially at that young age for that young man, you know, that could be extremely difficult to deal with. And it's almost like... um, like they say that some people say winning the lottery is a curse sometimes, you know, because you've lost your friends, your family members. Right. And the things that you held very dear before you won that, now all of a sudden, you know, everyone's questioning you. Everyone's questioning your loyalty, you know, your your morals. And in essence, you're the one who's questioning everybody because you're going, I haven't changed. Why, you know, why is everybody treating me this way? Not to say that's what Peter's problem was, but at that young age... It's hard for me to fathom that he decided to just leave poker right. when you're, like you said, when you're at the top of the world and everybody wants, a, you know, wants to talk to you, wants a piece of you because you've done something that very few people have done in a large number of fields to win that kind of money. For you to become that disinterested in, in, in poker all of a sudden, 
to yeah. me, it's got to be something of people pushing them. Well, he won in 2008, uh, so it's been a little over seven years. He said uh, about the first year after he had won the tournament, he started losing interest in the game. And he was living in London at the time, moved back to Denmark in 2013, tried to go back to school and study biomedicine, but he said that didn't really work out for him. Um, his quote was, uh, when I started out 10 years ago, I thought I'd do this every day for the rest of my life. But around 2010, I realized I accomplished everything I wanted. But I grew tired of how my mood depended so much on how I fared at the tables. I was an addict, a degenerate gambler, and at some point, I just got fed up. So he decided to just kind of you know what? Leave That's pretty game. noble. Most gamblers can't can't do that. Most 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 degenerate gamblers can't do that. And poker is like that, Dave. We well know that. We've heard of some of our guests. In years you know past, tell us how you know how the, their life changed. You know he hasn't mentioned whether he was parting very hard with that kind of money. You know you need a very stable upbringing. You know we we've been blessed to have Jason Mercier on this show, and I think I think the reason you've never heard Jason get into any issues is because of the upbringing that he yeah, had with absolutely. his mom and yeah, dad and his sure. whole family. And you know he's such a well-grounded young man and. You know, not everybody is like that. And, you know, I guess the pressure of that, and Dave, let me tell you, it's a sick feeling when you, when you, when you feel that you're, you know, that gambling is controlling your life. And, you know, I had that situation uh, come over me when I was a very young man. Right. When I was, you know, making a lot of money at the time and just that's all I wanted to do. And, and you start realizing that you you start pushing people aside just so you could do that. And, uh, you know, sometimes people don't come to the realization they have a problem until they've lost everything. Right. Well, you've seen several of the guys kind of disappear. P.S. Hines, we haven't seen him much on the scene. Uh, even Greg Merson, who is a great player we know and had that great year in 2012. We haven't seen him a whole lot uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, Moneymaker, Greg no. Raymer, Joe Cotta have won tournaments. Now, are we and not played. seeing these guys because they're not making final tables or deep runs or because they're not entering tournaments? That's that's the that's a question good, good to point. ask because uh, sometimes you know you you just uh, listen. Uh, what's his name? Joe Hashem. I haven't heard his name in a long time, but he had a very nice streak there of, of you know making final tables, making deep runs in tournaments. Right. I haven't heard his name. I don't know if he's taking a break from playing poker, or it's just that the cards aren't going your way. Uh, you got Jamie Gold and uh, Jerry Yang. Uh, really haven't done a whole lot the last few years. Uh, and then on the on the flip side. Uh, you got Jonathan Duhamel, who has, continues to play well in big tournaments, including winning, winning a couple of high rollers. He and, won one and, at yes, SLP Europe uh, last year. And if ever there was anyone who should have left the game, it should have been Jonathan with, with, the, with what he had got to go through. That he almost, got, he almost died. Right. Uh, some of the recent champions, Joe McKeon, Martin Jacobson, Ryan Reese, the last three years, we'll still uh, have to see what's going to happen with some of them. But uh, the question was, is it, uh, you know, is it a... Um, you know, is it a curse? Like I, like you mentioned earlier, Joe. Uh, it, it, you know, sometimes it can change your life and not for the good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you know, just because you win a lot of money, if you don't know how to handle the fame and fortune that comes with that. And then again, Dave, remember, you're, you're thought of, you know, quote, the, the, the mythical champion poker player, poker champion of the world, which we know is not the case. But... People look at you that way because you've won the most prestigious poker tournament in, in the you know in the world, and then if you don't have any immediate success, listen, we just talked about Joe McKeon the other day that then he come in second or third in another yeah. tournament. Uh -huh. You know, if you can maintain that high level, because you know you're going to have that expectation on you. So if you're able to maintain that, that's fine. But now a year goes by, the WSOP starts all over again. And now it's almost like, hey, you know, if you haven't had any any success after the main event and prior to the next main event, you know, oh, who won last year? I don't remember. Let's see who's going to win it this year. Yeah. And you know, emotionally, that could that could draw on very. Well, the, the other thing you have to think about is a lot of these guys win. They're not used to having a lot of media attention or public attention, and all of a sudden they're thrust into it, and not all of them can handle it. You look at a guy like Joe, uh, Greg Merson, he doesn't want that kind well, of exposure. Remember remember when Duhamel won, uh, Joseph Chong didn't want that either. Right, he even, and may have he lost even, on purpose. He even <laughs> said that he would have preferred to come in second as to winning it, so he wouldn't be hounded with all that all that media. Yeah. 
you, you think back of like Greg Raymer obviously handled it well, turned it into a, almost a career of representing the game. And I think Bill Hashem was, had done the Hashem, same for a while. of course, while. he's from Australia, so we don't see him as much here, but uh, obviously he kind of is the same thing. Moneymaker has made a big bounce back over the last year, but he got away from the game for a while. Well, he got away because, I, you know, he realized he wasn't a very he, – he, you know, him and Jamie Gold were probably the two players that have won that were – you know, not good. Not good. <laughs> Jamie Gold <laughs> ran on an incredible streak, and and Chris Moneymaker will tell you that. The difference is Chris Moneymaker has turned himself into a, to a very good poker player. He, you know, he what he did, whether he took you know classes, worked on it, read up on it, but you know he went from people saying, you know, hey, listen, that guy just got lucky. He's a joke playing poker. To hey, he's a hell of a poker player now. Yeah. You know, he's a he's a much stronger poker player. You know, and. Uh, He's respected the game and decided to learn the game and, and try to, you know, excel at it. Well, I think the bottom line is that all these guys got a few shekels in the bank, so uh, they really have nothing to worry about, to be yep. honest, on the bottom line. Okay, we'll take our last break here on the program. Uh, don't forget that uh, we'll be keeping a close eye over on the Hard Rock uh, schedule and try to get a few guests coming out of that for the next few weeks. But right now, let us tell you about Gulfstream Park, Hallandale Beach's uh, jewel of entertainment in south florida and uh, we certainly enjoy going over there for the horse racing and the slots and and just the beautiful atmosphere uh not to mention the village of gulfstream and some of the great uh restaurants like frankie's and adina bar and grill wine bar and grill uh three forks uh cantina laredo brios a lot of great places over there to eat and of course the stuff inside the track like christine lee's which is up on the third floor and then the ten palms buffet which is on the second so uh, if you're looking for a great dining experience, you certainly can go there. Uh, but we like the poker room. We uh, enjoy hanging out back there. 20 tables in the backside of the first floor casino. If you're walking through the breezeway, head to the right into the simulcast area and slot machine casino. And just walk to the back, and uh, they'll greet you there and put you at a table, and you'll have a great time. I can guarantee it. Lots of TVs, lots of uh, great events. You can find just about any game you want. And it certainly is fun. If you want information about the tournaments or what games they're, they're spreading, what's happening at the room, uh, give them a call, 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Check out also their great loyalty program uh, where you can earn points by the number of hours you play. And they have a lot of special events as well. So check it out over there. Again, 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. It's Gulfstream Park. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play-for-free demonstration and hope that you will join us 
when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday. Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because usually, man, we did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show, our final segment on tonight's program. Thanks for joining us once again. Again, uh, pick us up on Twitter. It's a good place to uh, automatically get the tweet about the latest show and the guests and that sort of thing. We put that out right after the show when it's uh, posted both on iTunes and on our website, PokerActionLine.com. And later, of course, you can always pick it up uh, uh, on the regular airing on Hold'em Radio or uh, the Poker Fuse podcast page. So it's definitely... uh, uh, something to uh, at least get the information. I, I don't tweet a tremendous amount, but I do uh, try to get out there with some of the tournaments and, and talk about what's happening and give people the view of South Florida action here. And uh, I am planning to be out in Vegas uh, probably around the Colossus this year, so uh, we'll check out some of that just, as well and just try to tweet more. Two months away, Big Dave. Yes. Yes. That's uh, amazing, well, huh? no. It, it's, well, it's June 1st, so yeah, about so we're two talking months about two week. months. Yeah, about uh, two months. So uh, uh, we were following uh, the tournament this weekend over at the aisle and uh, uh, trying to pull that winner up for you. But uh, the names of uh, a lot of the local players here are something that we always uh, enjoy over there. It's uh, uh, well-run tournaments that uh, draw a lot of people and, and do a nice job. Yeah, they actually do. They do a tremendous job over there. Uh, the GPL, again, uh, April 5th, uh, looks like it's going to be the first week of their season. So uh, when stuff starts coming out over the next couple of weeks, we'll keep an eye on that. Still to be determined are are the fifth and sixth players on each team, so that will bring out some more excitement. That draft no, I don't yet? believe that Well, they've done the draft. They but did they the draft for the four, but then they, they have not done they the add-on yet. They have two more yet. players, right. So, uh, again, we'll be keeping some of that. Uh, congratulations again to Harrison Gimble. Uh, a couple of uh, things I want to talk about. We're probably not going to have time for tonight. Uh, ways to poker uh, to broaden the poker audience. Uh, interesting article. Uh, let's go quickly to this one about the interesting one about the hands. Uh, it's called Three Hands You Need to pull, Fold Pre-Flop. Okay. And uh, I have to honestly very say, curious. I haven't seen this. I'm very, well, I'm I played. I played in the tournament this weekend, and I have to say that I played all of these hands. <laughs> Did not fold them pre-flop, and uh, to mixed success, I guess you might say. But uh, kind of an interesting article. You can pick it up on PokerUpdate.com. Uh, I believe it's also on Poker News as well. Uh, and they say, you know, one of the obvious things before I get into it is when you get pocket aces, you really should play them strongly most of the time. Right. Not letting people sneak up and, and crack them. You can't. I mean, you can slow play them and have success. The only time I've ever slowed played aces is when it's a blind against the blind. And you're hoping that, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in the small or the big blind. If you're in the big blind, you hope your small blind has raised you. And then you want to, you know, take your chances and just call, smooth called with them. Uh, Michael Moed, uh, his his wife, Angela, Angela, Angela slow played aces right before the break on, on one hand that propelled her into like a second place finish in that. There are times, I think, when you can slow play aces, but it's, you know, I would say 95% of the time you want to play them very aggressively because you want to limit the field to one player. You know, aces are a strong favorite, obviously, against one hand, but as you go to two, three hands, it's sometimes an underdog. Okay. Well, here's the first one. The first one uh, that he suggests that you uh, need to fold in preflop is Jack-10, whether it's suited or not. And that's always been my, one of my favorite hands to play, Jack-10. So you don't, was, you don't fold it? No, I actually I do now. I, I, there was a time when I never folded Jack-10 and suited. Forget about it. But, uh, yeah, now, you know... Uh, that was in the limit days. Uh, <laughs> no limit now. You're getting raised into them. 
you know, late position, sometimes you might want to even, you know, I mean, you're going to raise with them sometimes depending on the field there. But if there's a raise and a bunch of callers or, or, or another, you know, someone else is re-raised, Jack-10 is a terrible hand to go in with because you're, you're, you're going to be dominated by way too many hands. Well, if the, if the flop is a jack, then obviously your kicker is not that great. Exactly. You know, it's very likely that someone could have ace-jack or king-jack. Yeah, it's 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 a hand you'd have to hit a unique flop for you to continue or to or to play it aggressively. How about uh, just calling? And, that's and what I normally that's what I normally do if it's suited. If they're unsuited, it's very easy for me to get away from it now. But as a, as a novice player, for some reason, I love that hand, and I think a lot of people do. Well, this fellow that wrote this article, and I don't have his name here, but uh, uh, he says that you have to hit the plop, the flop perfectly and hope that someone comes along with you, ignoring the potential straight uh, in your hand and chasing something that might beat you. So uh, uh, if you don't connect, uh, there's no way you can continue. And although you might be able to bluff at an ace-high flop uh, that hits the felt, you're going to be pitching chips into the pot with hope and prayer rather than solid reasoning. Yeah, that, makes a lo- that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I have to tell you that I have won a lot of money with that hand. But as he mentioned, I had an aggressive player that was constantly raising. I decided to take a shot with the jack-10, and the flop came 10-10 jack. And, uh, you know, we wound up getting it all in, and... He had ace jack in his hand, and you know my my full house held up. Right. Uh, also, uh, the second one is baby pairs, and uh, Joe Cotta might not agree. I don't I don't agree with that either because I, 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 now he's saying he's hands you should never see the flop with. What about if you've got five limpers calling in? Well, I, I guess you understand it doesn't. No, if make, you're in position listen, and that sort of thing. He's got a he's got a preface that by saying that if hey listen if the pot's been uh, you know three bet four bet five bet. You want to throw away pocket force because you know you're being dominated. But even if it's been, you know, even if it's been two bet, you know, or three bet to you, and you've got three or four callers, I'm willing to take a shot because if I hit that four, you know, let's say it's pocket force, more than likely you will get paid off very handsomely with that. Heads up, maybe not because you're just, you know, again, you're probably looking at being dominated. But in a multi-way pot. I don't think a lot of pros would agree with that, depending on the betting prior to the action right. coming to you. Well, I, get, I think if you can get away with, with, a, with a call and not getting a you know, call three or bet a small, or four bet. Or a small raise where you've got callers in front of you. Right. And, and if you know that you may get some callers behind you because you don't have an aggressive table, I think there's a lot of value in, in playing those small pairs, you know, hoping to, 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 to play stacks for stack for stack with somebody once you've hit a set. He does say when they do hit, when you do hit, uh, you know, the set on the flop, uh, that it could be extremely pr- profitable. But uh, you know, the problems come when you don't hit the set, and what you're going to do you know, after the that. The problem is, you, you, 95% of the time, you're throwing that hand away. Right. You're playing for a flop, catching a set on the flop. Right. He says they also don't do well if there's a great deal of action either before or after you bet. I, I just, well, like he said, a, a great deal of action meaning a lot of raising or a lot of calling because there's a difference to right. that. I think a lot of raising, that. yes, they don't play well. A lot of calling, sure they do. You don't, you don't need to hit that hand, but, a, but you know, one out of five to make it extremely profitable for you. Right. And the third uh, set of cards is the... Uh, Gapped suited cards, uh, king three, queen four. Uh, no, those cards those like hands that. are for, those are hands that if you get them in the big blind, you hope nobody raises, and you catch a nice, you know, you know, a three three ace flop where someone someone's saying, oh, okay, no one's got a three and betting their ace on you. He says now what he's talking about now big gap or small because you said small gap. No, big gap. Big gap. Okay. Yeah, Stream I, gaps. I I don't like. Like I said, I only play hands like that if I'm in position, I know the table, you know, and you and you got a feel on them. But most of the times, you just throw those hands away. His question is, uh, you know, if they're unsuited, you don't have a, you don't even take a moment oh, hesitation to throw them away. He's he right. says, uh, so why if the if they're the suited, why is, all of a sudden does that become a playable hand? Uh, because so many people, so many uh, inexperienced poker players love playing suited hands, figuring that if they hit any kind of a flush, 
you're going to get a lot of money and, you know, Sometimes it's really bad when you're doing it with like a Jack Deuce. You hit your flush, and then all of a sudden you lose all your chips because someone had ace king of that, you know, an ace high flush or a king high flush on you, and you can't get away from that hand. Well, he says the issue is if you completely whiff it on on the flop, uh, you have rags, and uh, you need to get out obviously right away. If you hit your top card, your kicker's horrible. Yeah, doesn't help you. Uh, and in most cases, if you hit the bottom card, it's not going to be enough to take the hand unless you get trips or pair it with the top card. Or two pair. Well, he's just stating the obvious yeah. there. You yeah. know, that's all he's doing there. But uh, what ha- he doesn't mention, what happens if you hit the jack with two hearts? Right. Now, if you now hit two hearts you have to flop the flush. Right. Now the turn comes with a deuce. Now you've got top and bottom pair. You've got two pairs plus the flush draw. You know, again, those are usually not the rule, but the exception to, to playing with those hands. Right. But... If you're in the blinds with them, you know, in the small blind, I don't think I'd even complete the bet. I'd just throw it away. Well, it just goes back to our old uh, joke that we always tell here on the show, and that's uh, unless you know all the situations, uh, it's hard to have a hard and fast rule about what to what exactly. to play and what not to play because it depends. Believe it or not, the, the, the one that makes the question. best sense there is that 10-jack, even though I love to say because that 10-jack just normally gets you into big trouble because you'll get a piece of that flop. And you'll want to chase with it. I, I don't agree a whole lot with him with the second hand there, the small pocket pairs. Unless, you know, as he mentioned, there's a lot of action. And by a lot of action, I mean a lot of raising yeah. and re-raising right. going on. Well, that's then I just, throw, I just throw, I'll throw away eights and nines, if, especially if I know the raisers are, are serious poker players and right. not people trying to build up a pot. He says, uh, you know, he's, he does qualify by saying there are some situations where it does make sense to play the hand. You could be in a limp pot or you're in the big blind or uh, if you're in late position with no action in front. These are times that might make sense, uh, but you don't want to make a habit of doing it. He says, in those cases, make sure that you are the one dictating the terms, uh, in other words, raising, rather than responding to someone's call, you know. Well, uh, you know, like I said, people with small pairs are usually trying to flop a set and then get the action and push the action after the flop. Right. And coincidentally, about a year ago, two year, a year and a half ago, I started reading Doyle Brunson Super System 2, and I had read about calling with small pairs. And he goes, you know, they get payoff grade. He goes, but the one thing is be careful if you're getting played back at on a flop of, say, nine, six. Three and you've got a pair of pocket threes and you just hit a set of threes. He goes, you may and no one in an unraised pot and, and you're raising. Somebody keeps coming back at you. He goes, you may have just run into a set of sixes. Right, exactly. Who someone didn't want to raise before and coincidentally, that's exactly what happened to me about a day after I finished yeah, reading exactly. that information. <laughs> well, it's something to keep in mind. Again, there's no absolutes in this game, but uh, certainly some uh, interesting yep. stuff there. Uh, check it out on PokerUpdate.com, a very good site that uh, reprints a lot of good articles. Anyway, that's going to do it for the show uh, for us tonight. Uh, appreciate everything, Joe. And, uh, of course, we'll, uh, we'll be uh, keeping an eye on some of these guests as we bring big-time poker to town here. And uh, don't forget uh, to... Uh, Go on iTunes, give us a review, listen to the show, pick it up there, and uh, give us your thoughts on what uh, what's happening. Or go to Stitcher and, and uh, listen to it on there. I'm sure there's a comment section where you can uh, review some stuff there. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter, Poker Action Line, at Poker Action Line, and you'll get the latest news on what's coming on the latest show, and have some fun. Joe, thank you for stepping in for Geo uh, and handling the controls, making us sound good on the air. We do appreciate it. And we'll look forward to lining up a few guests for you over the next couple of weeks as we head toward uh, Seminole Hard Rock action. We'll be keeping an eye on people there and getting a lot of guests out of that tournament. Thanks for being with us tonight. We'll catch you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.